Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to my independence report. It's Friday. It's Friday. And it's the 16th of um, of April, 2021. And as you, if you've been paying attention, which I hope you have been, uh, Fridays has been a uh, day that uh, I turn over to um, Lamori Media. And Tracy does a lot of booking for different acts and different things that she does. And she's a media expert. And she brought uh, me a great guy today. And uh, his name is Timothy Allen Coons. And uh, his resume, he's, he is not an, he's not an old guy, but his resume is pretty long and pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty thoughtful. So we're going to get into what he does. He's an actor. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's um, a director. And he does all of those things with, uh, um, with the help of some friends that, uh, and he's, he, we're going to get in more to what an indie movie is or an indie. And I suppose that's short for independent. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, we're going to talk to him about that. So first of all, I, again, uh, uh, Timothy, I'd like to thank Tracy for having you with us today. And it's great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate you having me on your show. And uh, yeah, Tracy's been wonderful so far. So I, I really appreciate her and her efforts. And I appreciate being here with you today on this lovely uh, Friday afternoon. It is here today. It's Seattle, and the there used to be a song, probably before you were born, called "The Bluest Skies Are in mm-hmm. Seattle," and uh, and they are blue today. So it's a very nice day today. So it's great. It's great to have you here. We got lots to talk about. Yes, you've been, you've been excited about film and about creating uh, movies since you were at the tender age of five. How did that happen? Absolutely. Well, my mother, uh, she was dating a man at the time who was a cinephile. He was a huge film fanatic and he was like a big fan of like Stanley Kubrick and uh, Quentin Tarantino and films like that. And of course, at the time, I wasn't able to watch movies like that per se, but it was a it was a regular outing for us to be able to go to the local movie uh, rental franchise. And I, you know, I just remember it felt like a, a kid in a candy shop, so to speak, where it just felt so endless and it felt like I was embarking on a new journey every time I'd go in there. And, uh, it was, it was like, uh, picking out a new toy at, at the at the toy store where I could choose my film that I got to choose for us to watch as a family every weekend. So each, each of us would choose one film and we would watch them like a marathon every Friday or Saturday night. And I just remember being very young and, really starting to dive deep into like the behind the scenes. So obviously I I'm old enough to have been able to experience like VHS tapes and they used to have, you know, special, special features on these VHS tapes. And then I got older and I was probably 13 or 14 and started to watch uh, all the behind the scenes for DVDs as well. But yeah, uh, my love for film, you know, is rooted in me since I was a child, you know, films like Terminator two and Titanic are really what really, kind of opened my eyes and made me feel like, you know, films are like this huge journey, uh, especially epic films that are like that, 
And uh, I remember just being completely in awe of those movies, even as a young kid. So I, I knew at, at the age of like five or six that I wanted to be a, a filmmaker. Um, I think back then I was more or less interested in being an actor. And I, I had that mentality all the way up until I was probably a teenager. But at this point, I, I really like writing and directing the most. So that way you have control over what's going on. I well, and it's it's a little bit more than that, and I don't want to sound like a like a, a jaded um, jerk or anything like that when it comes to like looking at like a film that comes out of Hollywood. But I really I think that I have, and this is not to sound like pretentious or anything, but I think I have oh, a pretty go ahead. Un- be pretentious. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think that I have a pretty unique voice, and I like to cover a lot of subject matter that um, people are otherwise pretty timid to embark on, or uh, you know. A lot of my subject matter makes you question things, and my film is not, the films that I make aren't necessarily just like popcorn, you know, uh, let's get lost in a Transformers movie type thing. I don't make films like that. I I make movies that make you kind of question, um, ask questions and stuff like that. So, yeah. When I was a kid, a long, long time ago, when Jimmy Stewart, J- 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 Jimmy Stewart was around, and and uh, and John Wayne, and and Henry Fonda, and all of those guys, oh, I yeah. really, I really enjoyed going to and getting lost in the script, getting lost in the story. Mm-hmm. Of, um, now, I never. Not once did I ever think, you know, I could do that. That would be easy. What, <laughs> what, what is it in you that made you decide to go that extra step? Well, it certainly isn't easy. I'll tell you that much. Um, I've been making films regularly and with the mindset of like, I want to do this professionally for the rest of my life for probably about five years and uh, seven years altogether of making movies. Um I don't know. There's just this inherent thing inside of me that makes me want to push and keep pushing and keep pushing. And each film gets better and each, um, each of my, my crew and cast gets better every time. So it's, it's a really positive uh, experience being able to watch you all grow as this cohesive unit. And believe me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely somebody that likes to look at things as in a way of like, whether it's realistic or not, you know, like a lot of people would say that embarking on being a filmmaker or a rock star or whatever is just not realistic and you should go to college and be a a psychiatrist or whatever. Um, I did go to school. I, you know, I have an associate's degree in communications and I I tried going to a university at Buffalo to obtain a psychology degree, but I really just wasn't, it wasn't sticking. I, I wasn't feeling it. And I felt like I was lying to myself in a way because I just love storytelling. And I, it was even more ingrained with me when I was uh, at uh, my local Finger Lakes Community College getting my associate's degree, and I took a creative writing course, which kind of incorporated um, both poetry and uh, flash nonfiction and stuff like that. And I had a professor who literally changed my life. I, you know, I, I was really able to hone in on making my craft as a writer um, better and better, and getting that that utilization of having other people give you feedback that are like-minded and these creative writing shops was probably the best thing to ever happen to me. And that was really like what changed my mindset on, on all this is being around other creatives and seeing that other people want to do this too. Um, But yeah, I definitely, (laughs) I definitely possess um, the ability to be a little bit stubborn and a little persistent. So I I think it's a, it's a good recipe uh, if you want to get things done. Well, being stubborn in your line of work is is a really good asset to have. 
because sometimes it's it, you don't get the funding. Sometimes yeah. you don't get the, the 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 right people to play. You, you don't get the uh, um, get the the uh, festivals to buy in and stuff like that. So you got to be persistent and you've got to be stubborn, don't you? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you can't be deterred by those things either. I mean, every film that I've made has been either a collection um, of funds from like GoFundMe or, you know, I've put in a huge chunk of money every time I've made a film. Um, our, the friends and, and, and cast and crew or like, you know, the crew's families have all donated money. So we've never actually had professional backing until this last film we just did. Um, we've never had like a, a quote unquote producer uh, until recently. And I think that people get kind of lost in the shuffle with uh, being deterred from failure. And I always look at failure as a means to hone in on your craft and get better. Um, I look at failure as a positive thing because if I'm not captivating you and in such a way that, you know, an audience is able to actually grasp a hold of it and enjoy it, then that means I'm doing something incorrectly and I need to kind of fix and, and perfect my craft in the way that I tell a story. So. If you had your druthers, would you rather be an independent and come up with funds in the way that you're doing it? Or would you like to do what Stallone did and end up in Hollywood and have somebody give you a million dollars? Well, that's kind of a, whew, uh, depends on the day. You know, um, I'm 30 years old and I've, I've kind of had to juggle so many things at once. And, you know, there's, so there's life there's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm engaged. I have a fiance. Congratulations. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, we uh, we she said yes back in October, so that's that's new and exciting. Um, and on top of that, you know, I was going to school full time at uh, Rochester Institute of Te Technology, which is a pretty prestigious and difficult school. So I've got that, and I was a full time. I'm a full time employee too. So I work sixty hours a week for a job, and then I'm going to school full time, and then I'm trying to make movies full time. And um, yeah, it gets to be very tiresome. It's it's very tiring. Um, so I think at the end of the day, if I was given the option to, uh, be a Sil Sylvester Stallone or an Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever, and just like get in and then become a little bit more picky and choosy as time goes on, I would probably do that to be honest with you. Um, I, I do like having complete control over what it is that I want to say. Uh, so I wouldn't do it for a long amount of time, but yeah, the independent, filmmaking road is definitely very, very difficult and very tedious because you have to kind of facilitate everything on your own. So, yeah. What's your motivation behind telling a story? Well, I think uh, I, have a, I have a couple of different uh, avenues of motivation. For one, I want people to understand me better, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I, you see in, in the world, uh, especially America, the prominence of depression and anxiety. And I've, I think I've suffered from depression and anxiety since I was a child. Um, and I, I, I kind of like to get those negative. So it's, it's a way of catharsis for me. I can get those negative thoughts and those negative feelings out uh, in an artistic avenue rather than like, you know, some unfortunate people uh, drink their sorrows away or smoke pot or whatever it is that they use to cope. And my coping mechanism is making film. So in, in a way, um, I'm sharing fragments of myself with people for people to get a better understanding as to what goes on up here. And at the same time, I want people to connect and kind of like dig deep in themselves and see maybe there's reflections and fragments of themselves in these stories that I tell. And again, I think a lot of the stories that I tell are, are sometimes kind of difficult and uh, not necessarily for the faint of heart. I will say that um, I think I rarely make a film that's like, you know, sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> 
Well, but, uh, you know, first of all, you're working full-time. You're going to school full-time. You're a filmmaker full-time. You don't have time to drink. No, no. I Actually, I, honest to God, okay, I was probably like 27, and I, I used to go out and casually drink and have cocktails sure. and whatever. Um, but it just got to be where, like, I'm getting older. My body's reacting differently to it. I can't be up all night drinking, you know, four or five cocktails and just get, you know, by on four hours of sleep anymore. It was literally because of time restraints. I'm just like, I can't, I don't have time to drink. <laughs> I don't have time for the recuperation, you know? So uh, it's, it's it. just, yeah. So if I, if I have like a big party or some kind of celebration, then I'll have, you know, a cocktail or two, but nothing, nothing like when I was 25 or 24. Well, in this day and age, it's so expensive. Now, now in the in the land of COVID, we don't we don't do that as much. But mm -hmm. like last year, the year before, it's so expensive to go out. I'm sure you would rather take that money and put it into your project. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there needs to be a even keel in my life. Um, I'm I'm learning within the last year and a half or so. I've really tried to like implement living in the present um, because I've spent so much of my life in the last seven years thinking about what, what's next, what's next, what's next. I need to jump on the next project. I need to write, write the next script. Um, and I, on top of that, you know, in the, in school and work and whatever. So all these things kind of coming at me from different directions. So I'm really trying to learn to kind of be in the present and it's just as important to have rest and recovery as it is to, because if you don't have rest and recovery, then you're not going to function and you're going to be miserable. Um, but yeah, I think I, I mean, Thankfully, my fiance is very much uh, a homebody introvert with me at this point. So I think we would rather just make a, a good solid meal or Instacart something and just have open a bottle of wine with the two of us. You know, I mean, every once in a while we'll go out, but it's it's not it's few and far between at this point. So, yeah. You know, I was looking at your uh, bio and you've actually gotten quite a little bit of notice for the the movies that you put out and, and stuff in the in the festivals. Talk about that a little bit, the award you've won. Well, so the, the unfortunate thing, I'll cover the unfortunate thing about that first, is that because COVID has struck us, you know, for the last year and a half or whatever, I guess, I guess it's been a year and some a uh, few months. Um, the big part about these festivals is the networking. So if I'm not able to go in person and meet the right people and be in an audience with the right people, then it's kind of a moot point. Um, it makes it a lot more difficult because you win this, you win this award that's coming across as being prestigious and, you know, celebrating yourself and your work, but you, there's nothing beyond that. Um, so that's the difficult part is because of COVID it has made it very, very difficult. It's hindered my ability to, meet other people and other like-minded creatives. Um, but at the same time, you know, it didn't start out that way. I think I won my first award back in 2017 for a short film I did called Iris, which is probably my most bleak, most difficult watch out of my entire filmography. Um, that film is, is, yeah, that's, that's as raw as it gets uh, dealing with uh, a couple that is engrossed in this really toxic relationship, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Um, yeah, it's, it's about as raw and bleak as it gets, but that was the first film that I experienced uh, getting some kind of award for. And then I went on to uh, making the film called the purple dragon, which is about two heroin addict lovers uh, kind of spiraling and going down this rabbit hole together. And simultaneously it's telling the story of these two brothers who have a younger brother that's going through cancer and they're selling drugs uh in order to pay for you know the, the funding for his health care 
So it shows the the pro, not the pros and the cons, but it shows both sides, the positive and the dark of either side of, you know, what it's like to be a drug dealer versus what it's like to be a drug user and the humanistic qualities that both possess. Um, that movie has won me the most awards so far. Uh, it's about to end its festival circuit here within a few months. It's been in festival circuit for probably nine or 10 months now. Um, and I just, I just entered two more films into the festival circuit and wrapping another one up too. So, yeah. Wow. So how, how many films, films have you done? Oh boy. Uh, I think 13. 13. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, now is you, talking about the dark subjects the the drug addiction and the and the drug uh, selling and and building a story around that where did you get the experience of that lifestyle to be able to do that uh well it's a culmination of things uh for one true life <laughs> yeah there is yeah, I've, I've, you know, I, I was raised in a very, very happy environment, but I've along the way met quite a few interesting characters. And, uh, you know, you go to a party and you don't expect someone to have like cocaine there. Or you don't expect someone to like, I, I've just, I've seen some stuff. <laughs> so I've implemented, uh, you know, some of the true life stuff and then also kind of hyper stylized it with uh, some of my inspirations like Quentin Tarantino's films. Um, I kind of thought when I wrote The Purple Dragon, like, what would that look like for Quentin Tarantino? Um, to make a, a film that's based on two heroin addicts. And that's kind of how I approached writing that script. Um, but some of the other subject matter, I, I would say that a solid 50% of any film that I make is just in, somewhat based off of real life experiences and or stories that I've obtained over the years through other loved ones or people that I've met along the way. So, yeah. Interesting. So um, which would you prefer to do? Would you prefer to write, direct, or act? Well, I actually had my first experience of directing a project that I did not write in August. I was hired on to do a short film with, uh, it, was, it was the biggest, most professional production I'd ever been a part of as far as like the amount of professional actors and, you know, they're all SAG actors. And uh, it, that was a very interesting, enriching experience. Uh, my buddy, Jonathan Shank, that went to high school with me, went off and he's been on Law and & Order and Blacklist and a few other uh, projects. Um, and I, I just worked with some really great people and that was definitely different. I think, I think if I could, and I know that this isn't answering your question, how you stated it, but I would prefer to be the writer director. Uh, I, I think I get the most fun out of writing because it's like, I don't know where the story is going to take me. And I like creating these worlds. Um, but there's something to be said about, I think I get the same satisfaction out of directing too, because it's, it's essentially like the product, the end product is going to be how well I did conducting everybody and their performances and, and, uh, time and, and time restraints and all that kind of stuff, like just bring it all together. So if I could, I would say the combination, but, uh, at the end of the day, I would say probably a director. I, I, I love directing the most. Um, but that combination is so fun for me, writing and directing, like getting the feedback from my actors and my show. Hey, I, I wrote this script. I want you to read it and give me, you know, your feedback and tell me how you thought about this character, blah, blah, blah. That is such, that's probably the most exciting part for me is like seeing what people say about what I just wrote and watching their reactions. Like I'm, you know, I'm down for this 100% and getting their feedback. Um, but all in all, I think I enjoy directing the best. Yeah. It seems to me that it would be really, really, really hard to be to act in a movie 
and directed at the same time. Is that true or is it easier than it appears? Well, I, I suppose it depends on who you are. Um, I personally would be, I would prefer to be able to only focus on directing um, because if there's other actors in the scene playing along with me, it is difficult to be in my mindset of my character and try to not worry about what's going on with the rest of the set. Um, and to interject, like for me to call cut and then give direction to an actor when I'm in a scene with them does feel a little bit more out of place than when it's just me on the sidelines and like with the monitor and telling, you know, telling people what I need to cut for or whatever. So it's, it's a little bit different when you're just a bystander, so to speak, rather than being engrossed in what's happening in the scene. Um, but all in all, I don't necessarily love acting in my own stuff. Uh, it's just, it's kind of the way it's worked out. <laughs> well, by the, by the way, we're talking with Timothy Allen Coons. He is a director, writer, and one day he's going to be a producer and he's going to uh, take his own projects and he's going to make a lot of money and he's going to do really, really well. Uh, his, uh, his works, he's, he's already been uh, uh, focused on uh, on festivals and stuff. Speaking of which, have you been to the Seattle one yet? Have you entered that one? The Seattle Inter uh, International Independent Film Festival? Is that what it I is? Think or so, yeah, I yeah. think so. Well, it's funny. I actually just submitted uh, two of my films, uh, 60 Acres and a Meal and Ezra and the Unicorn. I submitted both of them to the Seattle uh, International Film Festival, and they both got rejected, if I remember correctly. So um, yeah. I would... I would, and it happens. You can't, you can't let it affect you. You got to keep pushing. You know, it, it is what it is. But I, I definitely, I have an affinity for the Pacific Northwest. Like I would love to go uh, to Seattle for a film festival. I'd love to go to like Portland, Oregon for a film festival. That's like, that's kind of like my dream. I don't, it's not even necessarily California. I don't know what it is about the Pacific Northwest that just really kind of uh, allures me, but yeah. Well, well, one of these days you'll have to come up here and you'll have to do a movie um, in, in our woods or around our area because we are becoming a a, uh, um, a larger movie mecca for mm -hmm. a lot of folks, a lot of productions here. Yeah. And on top of that, it's absolutely gorgeous over there. There's so much you could do between the uh, wildlife of like the forests and then your beaches are so interesting because of the rock formations. And it's just a very aesthetically pleasing environment over there. Very cool. So you just finished a couple of projects, right? And mm -hmm. uh, now have you started another project? Are you going to take a little time off? And, and what are you doing now? Well, I, uh, I tend to be pretty obsessive. So I've already got, I just wrapped up writing another film. Um, and I have two other projects that I finished writing as well. At this point, with the projects that I just wrapped up with writing, um, I really need some funding. So I want to be able to pitch those to some companies and see if, you know, they stick. Um, but yeah, I'm just finishing up editing this last film and then hopefully uh, all goes well and I get some funding and then I can jump right into the next project because I do have kind of a backlog of scripts that I've written. So. So you've got, you've got lots of work to do. You just need the uh, capital to be able to put that together. That's essentially correct. Yes. I have a, a pretty big backlog and kind of, it's nice too because I, I write based on my mood, obviously. So it's, it, I have all sorts of different kinds of styles and whatever. So if, if one doesn't work, then it's like, okay, well, let's try pitching this one then, or let's try pitching this one and just kind of see what fits best with whatever company or uh, investors would kind of see as being what they would like to invest in. So, yeah. 
So when you when you go to find an investor, where the hell do you go look? Um, is it is it movie companies? Is it philanthropists? Uh, 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 people who've got money? <laughs> uh, who who do you go to? Yeah, I'm figuring that out myself right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean we have we haven't had an investor until um, this recent film, which is called Fable of the Hired Guns and the Woman Who Cried Witch which is kind of like a horror spaghetti Western combination. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to kind of see that happen. Uh, that now combination that's happen. That's Tarantino to a T. Isn't it? You know, and I have the same inspirations as he does like the good, the bad, the ugly, a fistful of dollars. Uh, you know, those, those films I loved as a kid and I, they're still like, there's such a piece of me. In fact, in the office I'm in, I've got all the poster original posters framed from those films. But uh, yeah. So that's something that I think hopefully Tracy kind of helps me along the way with uh, figuring out how to get in front of a panel or pitch a project. Um, that's definitely something that I've talked to with her. Uh, but this last project, like I said, we actually just reached out to a local company in Rochester that is, it's called Expressway uh, Camera Rentals. And they just, they, they liked the story. They liked the script and they gave us pretty much everything that we needed for almost next to nothing. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like, uh, camera equipment, but we got, you know, a red Gemini, which is like a $50,000 cinema camera and all this rig stuff, uh, camera lenses, you know, that equate to about $200,000 for like 1200 bucks. So they're technically an investor, a producer, and they will go down in our credits as such, uh, for being so, uh, nice and, and, and giving. But other than that, uh, actually finding an investor, like say like a Netflix or a production house like A24 or an Amazon Prime, I, I really am learning how to kind of uh, figure that out along the way right now as we speak. Are you working more along the line of features or do you want to do shorts or series? Or what do you want to do? Well, at this point, I write specifically knowing what my what my funding is that's available to me. So it's a, it's a little bit more difficult to write feature films. Um, but I would prefer to be doing feature films. I mean, I think my standard of watching a film and being able to be engrossed in an experience that's a film is telling would be, you know, a, around at least an hour and a half to two hours long. So I would prefer to be doing feature films and I definitely would love to be able to experience uh, creating almost like a mini series for like HBO or something. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, true detective or Chernobyl, but they, they were just incredible, incredible stories. And I would love to do something like that at some point in my career too. Uh, well, you've got a long, long time with your career because <laughs> you're, you're just getting started when, and you've already done 13 projects. You've got, you've got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, when you talk about, when you write a script, and you're putting it together. Does it does it interest you how your audience looks at it, and to see if you can maybe change somebody's life in a positive way through the storytelling that you do? One hundred percent. I I think it it just it depends on the project. Like I always go into a project with some kind of uh, thinking about the end result. Like what do I want the end result to be? What do I want people to feel? Um, my film Ezra and the Unicorn is definitely the most, I think, human grounded. Um, it deals a lot with post post-traumatic stress. It deals a lot with, uh, anxiety and depression, um, psychosis. Um, 
these these harbored ill feelings that haven't been dealt with and and kind of like uh this this childlike mentality as an adult so that film i definitely wanted to uh have an audience experience what it's like to kind of have some self-love uh that movie is really about self-acceptance and self-love and uh that was a, that was a really important film for me to write at the time that i wrote it because i was really not in a very good place mentally um, so I kind of wanted to, you know, have have a way to have other people kind of engrossed in that kind of experience of, of accepting yourself and accepting who you are and and uh, loving life no matter what it is that you're dealing with. Um, but then other times I write film just for entertainment's sake. I would never write a film for entertainment's sake that's something like a Transformers film or something like that. Like I always want to encourage some kind of conversation uh, one way or the other. But it just depends on what the story is, I suppose. Yeah. How do you feel about the direction that cinema is going currently? And let me explain what I mean is that you're talking about Transformers and stuff. To me, those are more technically mm -hmm. um, advanced movies that don't really necessarily have the interaction between the actors and the writers and, and the, the director because it's all, it's all, uh, there are so many of those that are that are coming out it, it's it, to me that they're not satisfying to even go and watch mm -hmm. yeah well it, it's it's a, a combination of feelings that i experience with this and i don't want to come across as being a curmudgeon <laughs> but i do find it a little annoying that you take a, a franchise like transformers or a franchise like even star wars or um but like the fast and furious movies or whatever there's like 10 of them now right those movies cost so much money to make and they're not saying a thing they're not saying a thing i i, I can enjoy a film a film um that's just kind of some stretch your brain off at the door and you can just enjoy it for what it is okay but i don't understand why uh producers or whatever will keep on giving tens of millions of dollars to a franchise that just doesn't really have anything left to say um I, I personally am more driven towards character study um i'm not sure if you've seen the movie the lighthouse but that's probably one of my favorite films of the last decade because it's two characters stuck with each other and you watch as they unravel together i mean that's just like the pinnacle of storytelling to me when you when you're able to tell the story very thoughtfully through uh the character development that's that's probably my favorite kind of storytelling so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a time and a place for everything, but it does become a little ridiculous, I guess, in my mind to see uh, a franchise like that keep on getting backers and millions and millions of dollars when there's so many filmmakers out there that have really important things to say, but don't have the funding. It has to do with the bottom line of what they can, what they think they can get out of the movie. Mm -hmm. And see if they put 60 million into it and they think they can get a quarter of a billion dollars out of it, then that's what they're going to do. Um, yep. You know, years ago, <clears throat> and I know that he's, this guy isn't one of your favorites, but uh, years ago, they, they used to have something called the um, movie of the week. And it was like a Tuesday movie of the week or a Monday movie of the week. And there was a sh there was a movie that came on there and it was called Duel. Are you f ever familiar with that movie? Absolutely. Yeah. Spielberg. Yep. That was and it was before Spielberg was Spielberg. Mm -hmm. He was he was very much in your position um, of an up and coming guy who had a lot of talent. And uh, he just happened to 
Uh, he hit the script and, and directed this uh, movie that started Dennis Weaver and uh, about a guy that was being chased by a semi truck. If you, if you haven't watched it and it was, it really was a, a fun movie to watch. And I, and it was because of the interaction because of Dennis Weaver and the truck and the thing, it was very, it wasn't, it didn't have a ton of cast and, but, it, but the story was well, well written and it, it um, was really cool to, to watch. You're making that kind of movie more so, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, with with Spielberg, for example, you know, the duel where he's at with that film is essentially where I'm at right now. You know, you have to kind of use what you have available to you. Um, I, fortunately, my uh, my partner, uh, Mark Boucher, he's very, very good at like special effects and stuff as well. Now, the downside to that is obviously there's just him, whereas when you have a full production, you have a full team of special effects guys that can take take over and take turns. So it's, it's just more difficult when you just have one person doing everything. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably where I'm at as an analogy. But you are in the process of, of and all it, what keeps you going? What keeps you driving? Because all it's going to take is one, one project, and that will launch for you. Is that what you is that what you're hoping for? Yeah, I, I think I haven't really pushed myself uh, via social media. Um, and like I said, I just recently uh, picked up Tracy, or rather, she picked up me as as being a uh, my PR agent. And I, I had never really considered getting super into that until recently. Um, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why, to be honest with you. I thought that maybe I could just kind of make it on my own and like be a little bit more of an interesting story that way. Um, but at this point, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so hard to get involved in the first place. So. Uh, my motivation 100% is the fact that I have seen everyone's work and I've seen everyone develop and have their metamorphosis as, as uh, creatives, as actors, as, as me, as a writer and a director. We all keep getting, getting better. So it, it, now is not the time to quit. And I mean, my family and everything is really my main motivation. I, I want to be able to like make enough money and, and get paid to do what I love. I'd be the luckiest person on the planet if I got paid to be a filmmaker. That's what I love doing. Um, I'd never work a day in my life and, and help provide an easier lifestyle for my, my family. So that's that's really my main motivation. I think one of the smartest thing that you did is pick up Tracy or or in her mind, uh, picking you up because uh, she says she senses the talent that you have. And all that you need is to get the word out about who you are. Yeah. And, and the movies to, that you create and it'll it'll happen for you of that i have no doubt so she's it's it's, it's really cool that she does that but more importantly it's really cool that you're doing what you're doing because you're only 30 and you're you're going to school what are you going to school for now well i so i recently just dropped out of school um i was going for public relations actually that's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I was going for public relations. I have my associate's degree in communications. Um, I I had made the decision because with COVID, um, and again, this school is a private school. It's very expensive. It's, you know, $55,000 a year. And, Holy crap. Yeah. And with COVID, it was just becoming kind of ridiculous to try to manage all that stuff. And, um, you know, and I don't regret it. And I don't mean to be a downer right now, but I don't regret that decision because I was kind of in a place where I was very exhausted mentally and my, my best friend and uh, cinematographer for all the projects up until this last project um, actually passed away in October. He had a, a, a fatal 
heart aneurysm. So the, the fact that I dropped out of school made it so I had a lot more time that I could spend with him and we had more memories and stuff like that that we made. And, you know, we made a couple more movies and whatever. So you know, I, I don't I don't regret dropping dropping out of school whatsoever. I'm sorry, by the way. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Is it's how 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 old was he? He was 25. He was uh he was born with a uh, heart condition. He had a heart transplant when he was 17. Um, you know, he knew that his life was limited, but you know, he just had one awful thing after the next happened to him. When we were filming the Purple Dragon, he had cancer. <laughs> he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, then he beat that, and then a year after, you know, he had this aneurysm, and it ended up, you know, killing him. So. But yeah, I have a script for you to write, sir, and it's based upon your your friend's life. Yeah, and then, then the, he he passes away at twenty five, and then he comes and he works with you from the other side, and uh, he helps you do what you're destined to do. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's actually funny you mentioned that because that's the script that I'm currently writing is is about uh, Benjamin's life. So yeah. <laughs> You can't <clears throat> when somebody who's twenty five uh, passes away. It, it's such it's such a crime, but sometimes it can have a positive outcome uh, if you are able to to take it and and build something with it and and create a movie from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's been you know there, it's a double edged sword. You know, a, a lot of us came together um, after Ben's passing and. Uh, we've created like this little family. Well, rather he, he created this little family because we all came together because of him. But um, the cinematographer that, that I have uh, on this last project and the editor, Mark was actually best friends with uh, Ben as well, but we had kind of lost touch for a couple years and this brought us back together and he ended up making a film with me. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty much just doing this at this point, uh, not just doing this, but I, Benjamin's legacy is also a huge part as to my driving force behind why I'm doing what I'm doing at this point. Now it's, it's not just for me anymore. It's, it's for both of us. So. Which, which is really awesome. Really awesome. By the way, <clears throat> just so you know, years and years ago, I was an actor. And so if you ever have a spot in a movie that you need an old fat guy, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come in. <laughs> I'll be happy to, to come in and, and work with you. But, uh, um, I, thank you for not laughing too hard. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep you in mind. I'll, I'll, I'll jot down your number. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll give you my number, and you'll never call me. <laughs> so, but it's it's great. It's great having you here. Timothy Allen Coons is our guest, and he's a uh, was an actor and is a writer and a director. He's going to be. I guarantee you, he's going to be a director of note. And he, some of his movies, you're gonna you're gonna look at the credits and go, oh, I heard that. That's that guy. <laughs> and it's gonna be a movie that you're gonna absolutely love. I just know it. I appreciate that. So what's what if if you had so you're you're engaged to be married? I mean, you got a lot of good stuff going on. You've won awards. You're engaged to be married. Um, all it's gonna take is just one. That one that that's gotta really kind of gnaw at you because it's gonna be that one moment in time, that one break when you're gonna pick up the phone and you're gonna get a call from somebody. It's like MGM or and I don't even know if that exists anymore or Disney, <laughs> and they're gonna and they're gonna say, "Yeah, we'd like is uh, Mr. Coons there? Yeah, we'd like to talk to you about you know your movie project that you submitted, and we got ten million dollars for you. Will you want it?" 
Uh, yeah, I want it. <laughs> yeah. Because that's gonna that's that's gonna happen. If you uh, um, had any other uh, uh, dreams in your life, what would what would they be? Where where do you see yourself when you get to be an old guy like me? Dreams outside of filmmaking? No, just just in total. Where did, where would you like your life to go? Well, uh, I, I, what would be um, ideal for me? I guess it would be uh, I would like to be an established filmmaker, uh, director. You know, making maybe one film every couple of years, and I'm I'm a very introverted human being. I'm very private, um, so I, I definitely don't think that I would necessarily be like yearning for the limelight, so to speak. But I wouldn't mind, you know, acting in some things once in a while, uh, getting paid to be an actor. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, uh, just maybe being an author. Uh, I actually have a couple published novellas from when I was like 19 that I, I had published. Um, I love writing poetry. I love writing nonfiction. Um, so I, I definitely think at some point I want to write a book. Uh, but all in all, I think by the time I'm, you know, 40, 50, 60, I, I want to be an established filmmaker first and foremost. And I just want to be happy. I want to be able to contribute. Um, you know, I, I, I want people to be able to in my own life, reap the rewards of me making it, I guess, in, in, in a way. Um, I have such a wonderful supportive family. My mother, my grandmother, uh, my Uncle Mark, my Aunt Betsy, they all have had such a uh, huge role in, in supporting me mentally, uh, actually contributing funding, um, what, what, what have you. And I just want to, you know, give back. So I, I kind of see myself uh, being in that position around that time, I hope. What do you think about walking down the red carpet? Yeah, I think uh, that's that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, I think that uh, that's that's been my dream. Yeah, since I was a kid. So I would it would it would be such a surreal moment. Um, but I would soak it in, and I would be the most present I'd ever been. You know, in 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 my life, I think asking Catherine to marry me and then like also experiencing the red carpet, those would be like the biggest, most powerful uh, moments in, in my entire life. So, yeah. Well, I hope that you have to buy a tux because you're going to so many of them rather than rent one. <laughs> me too. That makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody wants to contact you, if somebody has got a check that is dying to be written, how do they contact you? Well, uh, there's my email, um, which is just coons underscore Timothy at yahoo.com. I use that a lot for my business uh, inquiries. Um, you can certainly add me on Facebook. I'm Timothy Allen Coons on Facebook and always send me a message that way. Um, I'm on Instagram as I think it's tunes 91. I have two Instagrams because I'm also a uh, YouTube reviewer, so I might have mixed that up. I'm pretty sure it's Tunes91, though. And, um, yeah, would it be appropriate to put my phone number on here, or am I going to get a bunch of phone calls from, uh, from, from I, people? I, I, I would leave your phone number out of there. Yeah, okay. So the, those, are, those are the ways that you can contact me. Yeah. Um, and I am sure. How long have you been working with Tracy now? She has made things happen rather quickly, my friend. Uh, only about two weeks. <laughs> well, I can tell you this is that what she's going to do for you, uh, because in in I always do a little bit of research in addition to what 
um she provides me and uh and stuff and and uh she's gonna help you with your facebook page she's gonna help you with a, a you, you need your own web page um and that, that has got snippets of your work and 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 stuff and she's gonna help you with all that because that that's that you you need to get your, the word out there mm-hmm. about who you are yeah you know and and you will and you will so the, because you're you're destined for you've got the drive and determination and the passion uh for your projects to make it work and you can't give up you just got to keep going absolutely yeah and like i said you know I, i'm not just doing this for me anymore so it's it's pretty much it's got to happen you know so it's uh, yeah that's my mentality it's just it has to so well my suggestion is to get it going and get it done before you decide to have children because then it really gets serious yeah i was actually just talking to Catherine about that the other day i was like you know i'm so happy that we're waiting to have kids if we do have kids because yeah, just just in the last week and a half, you know, uh, Tracy helping me kind of get get uh, some of these interviews and whatever else. It's just like, you know, everything's just coming in very rapidly. So on top of everything else. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely on, on point with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, having been there myself, the, it changes the game a little bit and it makes it uh, a little bit more pressure packed. If somebody yeah. wants to see a film of yours. Where are, where can they go to now? Are there any, are there, can they, uh, is there a DVD out? Can they, or can, is there a festival they can go to? The, I have never done distribution. Um, you know, I almost, I almost, uh, put some stuff on Amazon prime, but then they changed how they do things. Um, but right now I, the films that are in festivals, you can't show publicly. Um, that's just a rule. So, um, my YouTube page, which is Tunes Reviews, uh, has some of my films on it. It also has a lot of uh, uh, perfume reviews and cologne reviews because that's that's kind of a hobby of mine. I, I like uh, fragrances and whatnot. So um, muddled in all that, I do have, I think my film Dark Chamber is up. Um, my film Men Eat Steak, Women Nibble Chicken is up there. And my film... Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, no, you can't go past that one. <laughs> Say that title again. Men eat steak, women nibble chicken. I thought that was a uh, a typo when I first read it. It was like, men eat steak. What's what's that about? That film is kind of about the uh, society imprinting its views on gender. So it's just it's, it's a narrative on a woman who acts a little bit more, quote unquote, manly and a man who acts a little bit more, quote unquote, feminine and just kind of questioning why it is that you have to behave certain ways. Like, why can't I wear a flower, a flower based perfume if I want to, if I'm a guy, why can't I, well, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a commentary on where we are in society with uh, gender roles. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's really cool. Because right now we've got, we've got tremendous issues with gender roles or, and that sort of thing now in our country, and well, you're in our country, um, you're in New York. Yeah. Have you have you thought about doing anything in regards to the um, the race issues that we're having today, and the and a thirteen year old boy was killed yesterday or day before, and and all of that? Have you thought about addressing those in your work? One hundred percent. I'm actually writing a script currently. That here's the thing. I would be, I would love to be able to have my films have more diversity in them. Um, and just where we are currently, you know, in my location in Rochester, New York, 
Uh, all the creatives that I know are pr predominantly white. Um, but I, I want to be able to tell those stories and I want, I want to, you know, black people and, and gay or trans or what, what have you. I want everyone to be able to have their voice and utilize it. And if I can help that in any way, shape or form, but I also need to know where my place is, you know, as, as a, as a creative, as a filmmaker, I don't ever want to come across as though as a white man that I know what it's like to be a black man or a black woman or uh, a gay, a gay man or whatever, whatever the case is. Cause I don't, I don't know what that's like. So I can't pretend to know, and I don't want to come off as being some kind of facade. Um, but I would love to be able to, you know, uh, let's say I became a filmmaker and I became a millionaire, right? I would do whatever I could in my, in my spare time and funding to help these uh, organizations like Black Lives Matter and, and stuff like that, because I am a huge supporter. And uh, I think that everyone has the right as a human being to just be happy and healthy and safe. Um, so it's actually really unfortunate seeing all these things uh, divulge over the last couple of years have really been something rotten to see. Um, I know here in, in Rochester, New York, right when the pandemic started, there was these huge riots uh because we actually had a, a uh, black man that was killed by the, uh, the police here. Um, he was having a mental breakdown and they like, they killed him by putting a bag over his head. So there's, there's huge things happening here. And I'm just like, Holy cow, look at, look at what we're doing to each other in this world and whatever I could do to make it. So, uh, you know, there's, there's more uh, light shed on that, or I could create um, a, a way to let these people have a voice I would absolutely 100% do it. Um, but in the way of creativity, it's just so difficult because it's it's not a very diverse uh, region, but I would I would love to tackle that subject matter and, and shed light on it for sure. It's a, it's a hard, hard topic for people like you and I mm -hmm. who are, I'm a, you know, when I was in high school, we had three kids of color out of 20 or 2000. And so it's, it's different than, and, and, the the life experience is so different that it's hard for me to even grasp how difficult it is for people 100 percent. and the closest thing that i've even come you know to experiencing anything like that was when i was at university at buffalo in buffalo new york um i i was definitely the minority going there um there was a lot of uh it, yeah, that, that was that was that the white people were kind of <laughs> at the bottom of the totem pole as, as far as population goes. And just experiencing all this new enriching culture, you know, I had friends that were black, I had Muslim friends and experiencing their their families and their life and um, kind of broadening my scope of what's what's out there and, and having these new experiences um, with wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people um, really kind of shed light on what it's like to grow up in a small town. Like I did. I mean, I grew up in Shortsville, New York, which I think total population is like 4,000 people. Um, my graduating class was like 95 people. So yeah, yeah. Not a whole lot of diversity here. <laughs> no, I did a, I did a podcast with uh, five, uh, 20 year old African-American gentlemen, and we were talking about their life experience and what they have to do and, uh, and how they coach each other about about uh, traffic stops, something mm -hmm. as simple as a stupid traffic stop. Yeah. And their, their families coach them and tell them what they can do. So I told them a story 
I was going, I was driving down the road one time and I thought the speed limit was uh, 45. Turns out that it changed from 45 to 35. And so I get uh, pulled over by a motorcycle cop. I think that I was going the speed limit. And so I get out of the car and start walking towards the policeman. Mm -hmm. You should have seen the look on these five kids face. When I said, I got out of my car, they said, you did what? You got yeah. out of your car and started walking towards a policeman and you're not dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, they they're taught and they're told, keep your hands on the steering wheel. Look, keep looking ahead, get your paperwork in order and uh, don't, don't say anything and say yes, sir. And no, sir, because it's a very dangerous situation. Never dawned on me as being a, a white guy that, that I was in any danger at all. And these people in our country, in this country of ours, have to live with that on a daily basis, and I think it's a crime. No, well, you're 100% correct. It's it's uh it's it's disgusting. It's unfortunate. It's unfair. How should why should anyone have to uh, be born and from day one have to fear for their life with simple things? Um, even even being a you know a an African American in in at a shopping mall or something and you being kind of profiled and uh, people watching you to make sure you don't steal. Like, what is that? That's not, that's not, that's not fair. That's not a, um, that's not, that's not a mutual existence between uh, fellow, fellow humans. It's, it's just, uh, it's very unfortunate. So, so then that, that brings another story. See, and <laughs> now you can write a, a script about um, how the world, suddenly changes and and the white people and you specifically become a minority and then you have to deal with it from a black perspective as a white guy of what they go through on a daily basis i i actually wrote a script like that and i'm i'm i was a little afraid to make it to be honest with you <laughs> i totally get it I, I get it because that's that's one of those that you just never you're not sure how that's going to be received yeah, it could be one of two ways, and uh, one's not great, and the other one's probably decent, but it could be coming across as being exploitive to some people. But yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. It's such a, a troubled ground to kind of navigate. So it's a, it's a so as a writer and a director, you have to think about those things pretty thoroughly before you put a project together, don't you? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. The 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 again the film Iris, which you know, there's a horrendous rape scene in it. Uh, very realistic, very raw. That was that was the moment in time when uh, I was like, you know, this this is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be people are appreciative of the fact that I'm showing it the way that it actually happens um, and making it very real and raw and disgusting and awful to watch and making the audience uncomfortable, which they should be, um, versus something like, I don't know, there's television series or films where they kind of, I don't want to say glorify that kind of subject matter, but they make it less primitive. And I don't know that that's doing anything other than like, well, let's just throw a rape scene in the film and we'll make it interesting for the character development, but not actually showing the, the, uh, the implications of what it's like to deal with something so strenuous and horrible. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I only create strife like that or uh, violent content or whatever with intent. I never, I never write it for no reason. Um, there's got to be some kind of reasoning behind why it's happening. Exactly. My my son got me involved with a, uh, a show that's on uh, um, Netflix called Outlander. Are you mm -hmm. familiar with that? I, I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it, no. 
and he explained it to me it's like it is hard to watch because at one point there's a there's a uh, um a, a guy is being flogged and uh, by by the british um uh, government and 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 he goes through 200 lashes yeah. uh and so they're, they're very it's very gruesome and but it's very real and it's also i think very necessary and there are some things that like that that are really necessary and but some of it is just gratuitous i'm glad that you're not a gratuitous kind of guy and if if there needs to be a rape scene there's a reason for it and if mm. there needs to be uh, because they're now, how would you feel? I just got to ask you because there are some actresses that are coming up and 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 I that are saying, Nope, not doing a nude scene. I don't care, you can fire me, but I'm not doing a nude scene. How would you respond to somebody who was doing who did that? Well, um, I mean, I've I've had to put a couple of my actresses in those positions before, and I have very long winded conversations with them beforehand, and I make sure that they know. That no matter what point we're at with filming, if they are uncomfortable, then tell me and we don't have to do it that way. Now, well, I'll be a little bit frustrated because I feel like it's a very powerful moment um, that I feel like needs to be seen on screen. Sure. Uh, but I can also check my ego at the door and certainly make it so somebody's not uncomfortable. Um, this actually just happened with Fable of the Hired Guns and the, the woman who cried witch. My my very good friend and, and uh, actress Vicky, uh, Victoria, Elia, um, she, I asked her to do some pretty preposterous things <laughs> and she's a very, she's a very timid, um, soft-spoken person too. And then you see her in this role and you're just like, that's not the same person. Um, but I, I had her do a full frontal nudity scene and, uh, there's definitely uh, a, a scene with a, with a penis. So the conversation has to be open communication and they, there needs to be 100% trust. And if there's not, and they're not comfortable, then don't make them do it. I don't know what to say other than that. I mean, it, it is what it is. And unfortunately we're in such a turbulent time where you see all these people coming forward with the me too movement and there's not enough um, male allies. I, I feel like there's so many people that just stand by and don't say anything because they're afraid of their reputation getting harmed or something. I'm not that guy. If I see that stuff happen on my set, you're going to get reamed a new ass. I promise you. Like, that's just, it's not acceptable. It's not, it's not happening. And I actually have these conversations with all my actors beforehand. We do a close set. Um, I say, if I even hear, you know, a single uh, unethical or inappropriate comment, you're done, you're off. Um, and, and that's just the way it has to be. I, I respect someone that is willing to give me their complete vulnerability and I will never take that for granted. I would look at it if somebody were to, first of all, if somebody were to ask me to do a nude scene, it'd be an alternate reality. Uh, <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would never friggin' happen. But, uh, but if you are so into your, your character and it's important for that character to have that moment, I would do it. I yeah. might I might break a camera, which would be a fifty thousand dollar loss on your part. But you know, if if but but that's but then at the same time, I applaud you for taking care of your actors and making sure that that they are comfortable with what's going on. Yeah, I, I, you definitely have to have trust. I mean, again, acting is such a vulnerable uh, experience. Uh, you, you know, you're performing in general. Um, so I certainly want people to be comfortable. Now, again, I would I would do my best to probably talk them into it and and figure out a way to make them comfortable. But if they're if they're just if it's just not working, then it's not working, and it is what it is. 
Exactly. Exactly. By the way, we've been talking with uh, Timothy Allen Coons. He's a director. He's a writer. He's going to be famous someday. <laughs> and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later, quite frankly. He's got 13 projects. Uh, are all 13 in the can, or do you have a, uh, or do you have 11 and you're editing a couple to get to that number? Uh, 13 in the can, and this project that we're editing right now is number 14. Wow. You have been busy. Over what period of time? Have you, you must be doing like two a year, three a year? Uh, a very good chunk of those was the last four years. And then before that, so seven years altogether, seven years altogether, but four years, this last four years has really been the predominant, uh, uh, amount of time that we've been making film. So you're inspired by it, aren't you? I absolutely look, uh, I'm someone that works very well under pressure. So the more pressure I feel and the, the more that I feel like I need to get out in order to make it, the, the better I do, frankly. So. Oh, very good. As I always do, um, not always, but most of the time, I want to give you an opportunity to talk to my audience and to say anything about anything uh, that you'd like to um, about who you are or what you believe or whatever you want. So, um, Timothy, what would you like to tell our audience today? Well, I think one of the biggest things that I, I just off the top of my head is that if you're a creative coming into the world of you know, filmmaking or whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily have to be filmmaking, but just a creative in general. And you feel daunted by the notion of failure. Um, try not to utilize, utilize failure as a means to, is, is a tool to get better and progress. Um, failure does not mean that you're not successful. Um, th there's very limited parameters in which how we define failure as Americans. I think everyone feels so much pressure uh, to be successful. And at a very young age, I mean, in, in middle school, they're asking you what you want to be as a grown up, right? So I think uh, the number one thing is someone who has struggled to make this be my reality for seven years now, while simultaneously doing other things. Um, don't give up. Keep pushing. Keep going. You will get there. This is what separates people that make their dreams come true and, and, and don't is the resilience and your ability to keep moving forward. So I think that's. That's definitely what uh, I could think of off the top of my head. <laughs> well, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a um, um, request of you, sir, and that is when you are doing, when you have uh, the movie that it takes off like a rocket, and you're on your national tour, your national media tour, and you're talking to Ellen, and you're talking to Oprah, and you're talking to all these folks. You have to come back on my little old show and talk to me. Absolutely, that, please. Absolutely, Kevin. I would love to. It'd be, it'd be great. Or you could uh, carry your bags to the Oprah show. That I, I'd be, you know, I'll be your bag man. <laughs> I would love to come back on the show. You've been a pleasure to speak with. So that's that's not a problem whatsoever. When when you get the next one in the can, let's let's talk to Tracy and have you come back so that we can uh, talk about that one as well. Absolutely, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, you're an awesome dude, man. I appreciate I, you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. So hold on just a second. I'll be right back. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other is all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.